Well, Father, it's true we want to be people that sing the praise to your name again and again and again. Father, bless our time together as we meet this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church family, good to be with you today. Uh, I just want to say thank you because there's a lot of people in this room that uh, helped out. Yesterday, there were, I think there were 16 of us. Everywhere, I wish I knew the age, but I think from about a two, two and a half year old, and I may have been the senior one, so somebody up there in their 60s, uh, you all helped us get over to Pomona. And I want you to, that was just, I was in the right place at the right time on the right day, over there working with people from 12th Avenue in a town that really needs what we believe. There's two churches. I got to see them. In fact, I was mowing a lawn while the, the Methodist church was loading their food pantry. So, you know, I got to see the, the leader over there. But we were at houses yesterday that really, really need what we believe. And uh, I could tell you a story. I mean, it was just amazing. We went from house to house. I don't know how many houses we all touched yesterday. But, you know, it was this church. There's people here that coordinated things. There was food that was brought. There was uh, a van that was rented or given to us. I just want you to know as a whole church family, thank you for working together to allow those of us that had time and that could go over to a place where we get to live what we believe. So just one story real quick. The last guy we worked with, we're painting his deck. And he's a rancher. And he's been here for, he's been in Pomona for a number of years, came back uh, from Missouri. Doesn't believe. No, nothing with church. But he said, when that preacher guy came by and said, you do something for me, I didn't believe it. Nobody's ever done anything for us like this. And my wife has been on my, for a long time, to get this deck fixed. And I said, guess what? If you're going to take care of cattle today, and you're, he was out in the pasture, I said, let us do something to help you. And uh, it took a while. When we were there for, I got more stain on my hands today. But then to get to talk to him, and I wish I saw the two guys, Nate and two of the younger guys from Lebo, huddled up with him at his truck for about a half an hour. Now, folks, I'll paint a deck to have younger guys just get to talk with somebody that doesn't believe. And I told him, I said, listen, the reason we do this is because we've received something, and we just want to pass it on. And there's some younger guys around here today I'd like you to meet. I didn't know they were coming over. And they connected. And, you know, that's just the way God works in relationships. Now, I just want to say thank you. We're in the middle, well, not in the middle, now we're going to go to the beginning of the book of Ephesians. So if you've got your Bibles, I've been talking about them, so today's the first one. We're going to look at these rocket verbs, and we're going to read together. No, no, we're not. I'm going to have you stand, and I'm going to read it. This is the longest sentence in the New Testament. This sentence, people don't like it because it's complicated. Uh, English majors, I wish I could uh, talk to you because I know that good sentences have eight or 12 words, nice and clear. This one has 201. And Paul rambles. So, let's read Ephesians chapter 1, 3 to 14. If you all stand, we do a few things together. We share the Lord's Supper as a community. And we stand together in honor of God's Word. And I'm going to read it for us today. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14. Here's, here's what Paul wants us to hear. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And in him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. Father, we pray that your spirit would have unusual freedom today to speak to us about who you are and what you want us to know about your work For it's in your son's name we pray. You may be seated. Well, the law, you just heard it. That in Greek, that's 201 verbs and nouns and prepositions and adverbs and adjectives and conjunctions. And Paul just out of his pen in that prison just bubbled up out of his heart so much. This is a gold mine of who God is. 201 words. Now, my translation has it in two paragraphs. I should have counted the sentences, but there's a number of sentences. In English, we've broken them apart to make it easier to understand, but Paul didn't care. He was so excited about who the Lord is, he gives us this sentence. The next thing, notice this sentence is a prayer. He's praying on paper back to the Lord all these words. So look how this prayer starts. I mean, they've got, you don't have to flip back. But the first word is blessed. Now, he's going to wear that word out in verse 3. He's going to say it three different times, three different ways. But it starts with blessed, and the very last word of the sentence is glory. And so now we can take 201 words and melt them down to two. And it's the very same thing. Blessed glory is what this prayer is all about. Now, you know what? If I'd have been told that when I was in high school or just getting started in college, I would have said, what in the world are you talking about? I could, basically, I could care less about somebody writing this big, long sentence about blessed glory. But the longer I spend time in this book, the longer I grow to know him, I realized how those two words have 
significant meaning for us. First of all, the blessed, the special. It deserves honor and glory and recognition. It deserves us to say, God, you are so good to us. We want to bless you for the way that you have revealed yourself to us. That's glory. The way that God, no other place on earth can we go and find a, a picture, a revelation, uh, a description of what God wants for every man woman and child on earth and that's how Paul starts it blessed glory and why I think this sentence is so important for us today is we have got lots of noise out there I mean just this week it just seems every week I come back here and if I if I do the Fox News report or the MSNBC I, I mean the noise of our culture the noise of our world everything that's going on and on top of all that noise uh, you all got dishes you got to go home and do dishes and some of you got to go home this afternoon and pay some bills and maybe you're like me gosh the lawn I mean the grass is growing this tall and we got to go out and mow the grass and there's plenty of life I can take care of on my own and God, we don't need you. You're just way off there in the distance. I'll take care of life myself. And Paul wants to bring this sentence and just kind of knock on our hearts and say, now listen up. There's a whole lot of life that if you'll look to him and get to know this blessed one, he's going to give us an anchor. He's going to give us guidance. He's going to give us support and stability in this crazy, noisy world in which we live. And so, I want to introduce you the seven rocket verbs. Now, in that sentence, here's why these verbs are important. God does two things. Now, some of you may not believe all that, but I'm going to say, I'm, going to say, I'm convinced that God does two things. God speaks and God acts. God says and God does. Now, to say something, we all talk. You, I mean, talk's cheap. But it's when you're, what you do matches up with what you say, all of a sudden you begin to get to know somebody. And so Paul, in his heart, as he's praying back to the Lord, he's going to give us these seven verbs. Now, they're all his. Nobody can do what I'm, we're going to start this week. And we're going to go seven weeks in a row. Next week, I'm not going to be with you. But when I come back, we're going to pick a verb two. And we're going to go through all seven of them. It's kind of like God right, lights off a rocket and it just lights up the sky over there. That's who he is. And then, oh, there's another one that goes off. That's who he is. And he just wants us to know what he does demonstrates who he is. And so here they are. They're up there on the screen, all seven of them, just real quick. He's a blessed, he's a blessed God. He blesses us. He chooses, he has chosen. God has a choice. And I can't wait till we get to that one. Third, he destines. The word's predestined, but he's going to make a place. He's going to say, this is my destination. This is what I destined for you. Fourth, I can't wait this one. Blessed. Now, you think he's overusing the word when we get to this. This word is only used two times in the Bible. In the Bible, This blessed. And it's an angel word. The only other time it's spoken, it's out of the lips of an angel. 
Can't wait to get to that one. Next is lavished. God lavishes things for us. Next, he made known. And finally, he gathers together. Now, folks, I just want to let you know a little secret. Nobody in this room has done those seven things. Can't do them. We can't do them. It's beyond us. And we have a God who has done it, and he wants to come and put his arm around us individually. And church, I want to say he wants to put his arm around 12th Avenue in Emporia, Kansas. And say, I want to do these things in you, and I want to do these things through you, so that a lost world out there can come around and say, that's to your glory. I see you better because what you're doing, what you've done in the lives of people, make a difference here where we live. So let's look at Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Started off with that, blessed be God, we want to bless you. Blessed be you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You, that one who has blessed us. God is a blesser. He's blessed us with every, not a few, not a part, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Jesus was trying to help the disciples figure this one out. You know, folks, I love the Gospels because the Gospels are where we really get to see Jesus live out life. And so the guys were with him, and he was telling parables in Matthew chapter 13. And they came in after he'd gone over one of the parables, and he, they got in the back room, and they said, hey, tell us what in the world did you mean by that? And Jesus would explain to them. And that gets us to a surprise. So I want to tell you a parable. It's, you all can memorize this, and it's really a good little short parable. But let me share with you an insight from a surprise blessing that Jesus wanted the disciples to understand about what he was up to. So here's, here's the little parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field, which a man, when he discovered it, quickly covered it up and with joy went and he sold everything he had and he bought the field. That's the end of the parable. Matthew 13, 44. One verse parable that I believe is loaded with meaning. First of all, the treasure, I believe, is the blessing of God. And Jesus said, my kingdom, my, living in my rule, living with me, living in what I'm trying to establish here on earth is like a treasure that's already been prepared for. It's hidden in a box. I put it away, and it's in a field. And one day, a guy was walking along the field and caught his toe on that box, and he dug it up, and he opened the treasure box, and he knew what it was. And he said, my goodness, <laughs> this is so good. I can't believe it. And with joy, don't miss that word, with joy, he goes home, and what does he do? Sells everything he's got. Everything. I don't care. I'll, I mean, I'll go through my closet. Everything in the closet. Everything in my garage. Everything I've got. Everything in my, in my savings account. I go out and empty the safety deposit box. I'm going to turn in all my IRAs. I'm going to turn in everything I got. And I want all that cash. And I want to go and I'm going to buy that field. 
Now, what does that tell us about what's in that box? That box is loaded. It's so loaded, it's worth everything the guy has. And with joy, we give our lives to get the box. Now, here's where the disciples, and I, lo- I love the way Jesus, because I'm just like them. I miss it. You know, sometimes I think that the Christian life is a pain. I mean, God wants me, he wants me to do things. He tells me the way he wants me to live. He, uh, he gives me some direction, and I think, oh, come on, do I have to do that? But what he says is he wants to come along and put his arm around me and say, now, John, now listen. If you just knew, if you knew what was in the box, the blessing that I want to give you, friend, you're not going to say that living with me is a pain. Living with me is unbelievably good. It's, you're going to want with joy to sell everything you've got to come and be a part of what I'm up to. And so this morning, for the last couple of minutes, I want to talk about four, four events that Jesus shows what goes in the box. What are the treasures, what are the blessings that he brought? The first one. John chapter 4. It's a woman. Jesus is going to do something with this woman to bless this woman with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. John chapter 4, she's an outcast. She's at the well at noon. Jesus is walking the disciples. They're going north. When he gets there, the guy's going to town to buy lunch, and he starts to talk to her. He just says, hey, lady, would you give me a drink of water? And that turns into a huge conversation where she says, who are you, a Jew, trying to talk to me, a Samaritan? I'm a woman, and you're a, you're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan woman. We don't talk. And yet Jesus continues to talk to her so much, confronts her with her marriage issue. The lady's had real trouble. she got five husbands, and the guy she's living with right now is not even her husband. Jesus, that's just a side issue. What he says to her is, lady, the day has come when you're going to start to worship God in spirit and in truth anywhere. And that blessing of a relationship we can have with God anywhere in spirit and truth, that is the blessing that's in the, the treasure chest. And she gets it. She gets it so much, she rushes into town and she tells everybody, she says, hey, y'all, come out to the well. There's somebody out there that I believe we've been looking for. There's a man who's different than anybody I've met. And the next verse is, and they came. And so this woman, in just listening to Jesus talk about what he wants to do so that she can have a relationship with God, she says, man, that's... That's worth everything. I'm going into town. I'm going to, with joy, tell everybody, come out and meet this guy. And they do. The first treasure is that God is here to give us a personal relationship anywhere, anytime with him. And we celebrated how he did it today. Second one. Jesus was in the northern part of the country, and one of the Jewish leaders came to him and said, listen, my daughter... Not doing well. I need you to come to my house. And she's not, we don't know if she's going to make it. And so Jesus starts to walk with a whole crowd around him to Jairus' house to see his daughter. There's a woman in the crowd who's had a hemorrhage for a long time. 
years. She's got problems. And she's believing in her heart, if I just touch him, if I can just touch his, his robe, God will do something for me. And she does. And as they're walking through that crowd with all those people around Jesus, Jesus stops and he asks the disciples, who in the world here touched me? And they look at him and say, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> Crazy? Look at all these people around you. Who touched you? How do, we, how do we tell you who touched you? And he said, no. There's somebody in this group right here who touched me with faith. Now, folks, get your heart around that one. That Jesus will listen to you if you cry out to him believing that he is that's the, that's the treasure, that's the blessing that we have a God who has got his ears tuned to you. And you cry out to him, he will, he will hear you. And he healed that woman. And she knew it right at the time. She could tell there's a difference, something's happening inside of me. He is a God who knows and a God who cares. And he did that through his son. That's the second treasure that's in that box. We open that up, and there's a God who wants us to have a relationship. There's a God who hears us, knows, and cares. Third one. On the very night that this took place, before they have this first meal of bread and a cup to remember what he's going to do, he takes off his outer, he takes off his clothes. He gets into a servant's robe. And he starts to wash feet. And old Peter had a little trouble. He said, hey, look, you don't, don't wash my feet. And Jesus looks at him and says, listen, if you don't let me wash my, your feet, uh, you don't have a part with me. We have a God who is close enough to serve us with things that we can't, other people miss. You know, nobody washed feet that night. And Jesus got a, out in front of everybody and said, no. I want to communicate to you that we, God, I serve people. And by the way, if you're going to follow me, guess what? I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. You serve other people. You make other people significant and important. We have a treasure that we have a God who can take the robe, can take the life of a servant and be comfortable serving others. The fourth blessing that's in the treasure box is after the crucifixion. John 21. Peter has, there's two guys on the same night. Judas and Peter. Both of them do the same thing. They both deny him. Judas denies him with gold. He gets, he gets paid. Peter denies him at the campfire. Three times. And he takes it. He starts to curse at the end. I mean, he is denying him. I do not know that man, whoever that man is. I don't have anything to do with him. And Jesus looks him right in the eye and said, "Remember, I told you to do that three times before the rooster crows." You got two men that deny the Lord. Judas takes his own life. He can't handle it, but Peter doesn't. But you know what, church family? Peter struggled with that because early in John 21, Peter just asked his buddies that are his own tribe, his own group from up north. He says, let's go fishing. He leaves. He breaks apart the disciples. It's not 11 of them that go fishing. It's only seven. It's the guys from the north. 
He gets out there on the lake all night. And then in the morning, here's the treasure. In the morning, Jesus cries out, you guys got anything? And they say, no, we fished all night, not a thing in a boat. He says, throw out the net on the other side. And they do. And they catch a catch so big, 154 fish. They, they even counted them. 154 fish was hauled in the boat. And Peter jumps in the water and goes to see Jesus. And Jesus then pulls him aside and recommissions him. He re-invites him into a relationship and a responsibility with him. We have a God who forgives. We have a God who calls. And we have a God that purposes your life. He purposed Peter's life, changed Peter. I mean, you just look at how Peter gives his life to other people. And he quit. He'd gone off on his own to go back to what he did before. We have a God who reinvites us to be a part. And so this morning, the verb is God blesses. He blesses us with every spiritual blessing. And the word every, we don't know what that means yet. Because you're still living. I'm still living. We get a lifetime. And then after our lifetime, guess what? We're going to see an eternity. That's a long time. Eternity of getting in on how many blessings he has given us. We have a God who blesses. And so, what do we do with that? Well, I want to challenge us. If we're blessed people, then good old Paul, back where I was in the beginning, chapter 4, he's going to challenge us to walk in balance with being blessed. If we're blessed people, here's how we bless others. With all humility and with all gentleness, with patience, we're going to bear with one another. Now, church family, that's where I started this morning with the Lord's Supper. I said, you know, we're a church family. I don't know how many, but I'm, I'm trying to get to know all of you. But in this family of God, there's all kinds of things that happen. Misunderstandings, things get said, things get done. But because of what he's done for us, he calls us to with gentleness, humility, and patience, let's bear with one another because he is at work in us to his glory. It's not about 12th Avenue, okay? It's about him. But it's the story of him in us. And that's communicated out to this world and even to Japan. We got to see that today. I mean, how far he takes the story of his place in our lives. He blesses us. So bearing with each other in love and then being eager to maintain that unity of the spirit he wants to give us. I want to ask you all to stand. The challenge is how we live with one another because we're blessed people. As we enter in, as we bend together to worship him today, I trust that, you know, his word is an encouragement to our hearts of how we're going to live out there in that world, a part of this community out there. And so here's the last word I'd have for you. It's a benediction to let us go. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's what Paul says. So, then you are no longer strangers and aliens. 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom this whole structure being joined together is growing into a holy temple for him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we hear how much you want to bless a world that is sinful and separated from you, Father, I pray your spirit could just speak to us right where we live of what you're up to, to show us that you are real. Father, we thank you for a chance to worship you in the, at the table today. We thank you for the truth that we're no longer strangers and aliens separated from each other, but we're in a, your family where you are building us to be a temple that reveals you among us as a holy temple set aside. Have your way. Have your will in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You all go be the church.